Blog Talk Radio. Well, this is our Say It Ain't So program. Say It Ain't So that this is the last segment of Parenting Your Challenging Child. Until September, Dr. Ross Green here along with my co-host Susie Porton. Um, Hard to believe that we have made it through yet another season of Parenting Your Challenging Child. And of course, as fate would have it, we are going to have some technical difficulties today. The internet is extremely slow this morning in the offices of Lives in the Balance, so I am even having difficulty getting Susie on the air here. But let's see if we can do this another way and see if we can get Susie on the air. But yes, there's no program next Monday May 30th, because that's Memorial Day here in the United States. And then we take the summer off here on Parenting Your Challenging Child and start up again in September. And that's what we do. Still having trouble bringing Susie on. So, Susie, I apologize. I know you can hear me. It's just that uh, the uh, technology is not working so quickly here this morning. So hang in there. I'll bring you on as soon as I can. Um, Crazy how things sometimes work. What I'm going to do here, since we don't have any callers, is I'm going to give you the call-in number, 347-994-2981. If Susie were on the air, she'd be able to say um, and press 1, but I'm going to have to do that for her. And um, All right, let's see. It looks like... Maybe we're going to have greater success here. Yes, Susie, you're on. How are you? Hello. Good. How are you? Oh, my. I am well. I am now hotspotting off of my iPhone to make this program go. Uh, some, I, there's construction outside the offices of Lives in the Balance, and I have a feeling it is um, messing with our Internet. We actually already have a caller. Great. And I have a feeling it is a repeat caller because that's just my feeling. We'll see if I'm right and we'll see if we have trouble bringing people on the air. The answer is no. Area code 864, how are you today? I'm good, thank you. Good. Thanks for calling. Do I am I right that you're a repeat caller? I am a repeat caller. Yes. Good. Tell us what's going on today. Well, I um I'm just still sort of learning and trying to get the um, the Plan B system down with my two very different but both explosive children, and have some questions about the expectations part of the model. Um, first, just a point of clarification that you know I think sometimes we think about this or people perceive this as a model of compromise, but I think what I've heard you say is that. Or maybe I reframe the question. Um, I want to clarify that, that it's okay for parents to have expectations, but the expectation itself does not constitute a plan A approach. Um, and then, my, if that's not correct, 
you can correct me, but my question that then is, becomes what? That is 100% correct. You cannot parent without expectations. You cannot teach without expectations. You cannot guide without expectations. You cannot influence without expectations. So just because you have expectations does not mean you're doing plan A. So far, so good. Okay. So my next question, um, the root of the question is the same. The application for the two kids is a little different. But the question is what happens when the expectation not only isn't met but isn't um, validated by the child. So, So the example with my older child first, because he doesn't agree with my expectation, we're struggling to find a solution that works for both of us. Um, so the example I'll give here is um, there's a television show he wants to watch. And um, my expectation is that, and, and maybe you help me reframe this, but my expectation is that he not watch shows that have content that is too mature for him. Um, so my expectation is we watch age-appropriate television. Um, but in trying to come up with a solution, we've talked about what are the other shows he can watch, what are the ways we can, you know, I can screen shows ahead of time, et cetera. Um, but the bottom line is he believes he is mature enough to watch this show, and I think the content is too mature for him. So the question is, is that an unrealistic expectation on my part that I need to change in order to find a solution? Or is it something well, that you, you, I... you can always change it in response. You know, there are times when you're doing plan B. And I would say this is not what usually happens. But there are times when you're doing plan B that you get information from your son and you understand his concerns better. And mm-hmm. you decide, you know what, I'm not too concerned about this anymore. Right. Right. Um, you de- you decide. Um, I have decided that I don't have any concerns here. Right. Mm-hmm. In which case you are now dropping the expectation that he only mm-hmm. watch certain shows because you've decided that you're okay with the shows he's watching or that your concerns weren't important enough to pursue. Right. Mm-hmm. But. Mm-hmm. I want to I want to slow it down a little bit here, right? Mm-hmm. And this is why I tend to be so um, precise in the wording of an unsolved problem because it sort of gives us it orients us mm-hmm. to what your expectation is, right? Uh, you 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 fast forwarded past your expectation, and I know that it has something to do with the age appropriateness of the program. Mm-hmm. And but what we want to uh, what we want to stay away from is a scenario in which we're just sort of going back and forth. I think what I'm watching is okay uh, versus mm-hmm. I think what you're watching is not okay. I would not say that those are very specific concerns. So, okay. but but we've got to distinguish in the first place between concerns and expectations, right? Right. So let's rewind it all the way back to the beginning, just so you can get me and Susie oriented here. Mm-hmm. What is your expectation when it comes to the TV shows that your older son is watching? Because then we'll know what expectation he's having difficulty meeting. And this, quite frankly, is why it is so worth it to get – it's so easy to say what he's doing that we don't like. 
He's watching, mm-hmm. watching shows with content that we think isn't age-appropriate, right? That's what he's mm-hmm. doing that we don't mm-hmm. like. But mm-hmm. it sure does get us oriented if we can transform that into what your expectation is. What is mm-hmm. your expectation about the TV shows that you're okay with him watching? So I guess to put it in a, like from a positive perspective, I would expect him to watch shows that are age-appropriate and that have uh, content that is not offensive. Offensive. Uh, is that uh, – yeah, I mean, I guess that's well, pretty vague. Are you wanting me to be real specific about – Well, so far we've got difficulty, which is what most unsolved problems start with, difficulty mm-hmm. watching age-appropriate TV shows – and then we would just have to be very specific with him about what you mean by age appropriate. And mm-hmm. I assume that means shows that can that do not contain certain types of content. Right. Right. Like what? So in particular, he, you know, he is well, he just turned 11, uh still in elementary school and he's wanting to watch shows that are teenage themed. So shows that include teenagers doing, you know, with a lot of dating and substance use and those sorts of behaviors um, that I think um, and a lot of, you know, the one the one in particular involves a lot of kids sort of deceiving their parents and things that I think um, aren't lessons I want him learning. Uh, not that he, you know, is sheltered by any means, but I think he's exposed to enough of those sorts of things that I don't want to invite it into my home through our television. Got it. So there are certain types of content, mainly uh, things related to uh, sexual themes, kids uh, being disrespectful to their parents, and Mm -hmm. uh, drug themes. Right. uh, Substance use themes that you do not that is the type of content that you feel is not age appropriate for him. Right. That's the list. Disrespectful yes. to adults, uh substance themes, sexual themes. Yes. Now there's there's dating on some shows, but it doesn't have a sexual connotation right. to it. It's just there's a boyfriend right. and a girlfriend. You okay with that? Yes, yes. He is watching some of those shows that are more innocent, so to speak. Got it. So what you're seeing here is, I mean, I think even Wally on Leave it to Beaver had a girlfriend, and that was as wholesome (laughs) as things can get, right? So um, I don't remember if Wally did. I don't think Eddie Haskell did, and I'm pretty sure Beaver did not. But anyway, you get the (laughs) idea, right? I get it, yes, yes. Um, So now we've defined what age-appropriate means, right? Yes. Yes. And now you are in a good position, and you may have been there already, but you were just clarifying it for us. You're now in a much better position to be specific about shows that you are okay with and to have that discussion (laughs) because your son might say, um, you know, and the truth is my kids are older now, so I'm not totally on top of what shows people are watching. Um, Right. But – there, there were, you know, so I can't even name any shows anymore. They're too old. They don't, they don't watch shows anymore. Um, but back in the day, um, I would have been able to talk about specific shows and which ones sure. I think are in keeping with my expectations and which ones are not. Yes? Right. 
Yes. Your son then gets to state his concerns, and this is going to get interesting, right? Yes. Because yes. his concerns are not just, I think your concerns are, um, you know, ill-conceived, and his <laughs> concerns are not just, um, I don't care about your concerns. He's going to say things, I suspect, about um, his feelings about what he thinks is age-appropriate and what he's ready to handle. Yeah, his primary concern, as we have tried to plan be this, is that he does not want limitations put upon him. So I actually think he's not all that interested in this particular show in and of itself, but he does not want me to tell him what he can and cannot watch. He believes he is old enough to make those decisions himself. Got it. Um, you probably don't That's agree with we, that. I don't. So That's where I feel like what's the solution that addresses both of our concerns when our concerns are sort of at loggerheads? Well, I think you can say to him, um, I understand your concern, and I would try to rephrase it. Um, mm-hmm. You want the greatest degree of independence possible in selecting okay. the TV show that you're right. going to watch. And I'm interested in giving you the greatest degree of independence possible, but I can't agree to a solution in which um, you are watching any old thing you want. Um, okay because there are all kinds of things on TV that I would not uh-huh. be okay with you watching. Um, right. So we're not just talking about his shows here as it relates to him wanting no limitations whatsoever, and this is part of your concern. There's all kinds uh-huh. of things on TV that I would not be okay uh-huh. with you watching. Um, I know we're talking about your shows right now, but if, if and by the way, no limitations is actually more of a solution, but... Right. I'm old enough to make these choices um, appropriately. That would be more of a concern, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. But I think that we can phrase these things. I think that um, I would rephrase his concern that he wants as much independence as possible in selecting the TV show that he's going to be watching. Mm-hmm. Um, and we could flesh that out further with some good drilling, like I would say, mm-hmm. I would I would do reflective listening. The empathy step on this one's going to last a while, because we want to move him away from anything that sort of resembles a solution and get as close to his concerns as possible, right? Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And you'd know better than me how much time you spent in the empathy step. But mm-hmm. if somebody, if a kid puts a solution on the empathy in the empathy step, or his concerns are not that well clarified yet, and I would say that given what you're saying, I don't have the clearest possible understanding of his concerns yet, I would do reflective listening and ask him to say more, right? Okay. Um, Tell me more about that. So you want no limits, which is a solution, by the way. You want no limits on your TV watching. Um, Uh That's reflective listening. Tell me more about that. And now maybe we're going to start hearing, I'm 11-year-old, my friend's parents let them watch anything they want, um, uh-huh. And I think I'm ready to make good decisions about what I want. Okay, then I would do reflective listening again. So you feel that you are ready to be totally independent in selecting what you watch on TV. Um, tell me more about that, right? So 
You're sticking with the empathy step for quite a while here because I think we need greater refining of his concerns than just that he should have no limits on what he watches on TV, which, by the way, you are unwilling to do given the range of possibilities that that might refer to. Luckily, that's a solution, and it's not a mutually satisfactory one. But you're not going to know if it's a mutually satisfactory one unless you actually get concerns on the table. Right. Am I making sense? Yes. So I guess, yeah, where, where I'm heading is that when we've reached this a few times with different issues of where, you know, it seems as if our two concerns, you know, there isn't a solution that addresses both of our concerns adequately. And so it sounds like what you're saying is I just need to continue drilling to get more, to get beyond the sort of surface concerns he addresses. Um, Correct. Uh, Mostly because yeah. him saying I want no if if what his concern is is I want no limits on my TV watching, that's yeah. actually not a concern. It's a solution. It's a solution. And what okay. you are in danger of. It's, and I don't have the perfect sense of this, but what could be happening is that you are ending up with dueling solutions, not right. Not a process in which you're trying to address the concerns of both parties, because if his concerns don't, like if it's if it's the following, I don't want limits on TV watching, and your Mm -hmm. supposed concern is, uh, you're not watching shows that have sexual content, are dismissive of parents, or um, are about drugs and alcohol. Okay, there's Mm -hmm. no solution because what you have now is competing solutions. Mm-hmm. Concerns can't really compete with each other, but the main reason that people can't come up with a mutually satisfactory solution is because they never really got the concerns of both parties very well clarified. Instead, they were busy talking about solutions prematurely. Okay. And mm-hmm. I, I can't quite tell if that's what's happening. Yeah, I think so. And I guess my question for myself is, is you know, at what point um, is it okay for me to hold in that? I mean, do I need to change my expectation if if we're not coming up with a solution or is there ever a point where we say you know I'm the parent I'm sorry you don't agree with this expectation but yeah I'm just wondering at some point um, you know the, the other example with my younger son is that you know the expectation of some behavior at school he's refusing to acknowledge that that expectation is valid and so um that's where I'm struggling with both of them when they question the expectations. But maybe I need to be more clear about the concerns. Well, that's the whole thing. Both parties mm-hmm. are entitled to their – the expectation is just what's getting the conversation going. Okay? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Your ex, the expectation is watching age-appropriate TV for your older mm-hmm. one, right? Mm-hmm. The, that mm-hmm. helps you word the unsolved problem and gets the conversation rolling. I've noticed mm-hmm. that you're having difficulty watching TV shows that are age-appropriate. What's up, right? Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean you don't have a valid expectation. It just means that the expectation is what's getting Plan B rolling. Okay. Your concerns are always valid. And your kids' concerns are always valid. And the goal How do of we plan respond B... when a child... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. How do I respond when a child tells me my concern is not valid? Um, you say, well, here's the deal. When we're talking about problems, 
we're operating on the assumption that both parties are entitled to their concerns. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you your concerns aren't valid. I'm going to treat your concerns as if they're valid. But for this to work um, and for us not to go back to our old way of doing things, um, Mm -hmm. we need to treat my concerns as valid too. That's why we're doing it this way, right? Um, So the big question is, is the kid questioning the validity of your expectation, which is kind of neither here nor there, or the validity of your concerns, which is a very big deal, because the whole process relies on both parties viewing each other's concerns as equally legitimate. And the whole goal of the process is to come up with a solution that addresses those concerns. I guess that's where I'm struggling. Both of my children uh, are likely to simply um, dismiss my concerns and say those aren't valid or they're not right or they, as soon as I start expressing my concerns, they try to argue with me about why those concerns aren't really concerns. Well, and that happens sometimes. I mean, that happens. Mm -hmm. Kids sometimes, you know, in kids who are new to this process, they, the mm-hmm. new information of the, of the other party's concerns, um, may, this may not be something that they're very good at listening to yet, right? Mm-hmm. There are definitely adults in the world who aren't very good at listening to kids' concerns initially either, so it can swing in both directions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is, there's, this is an acquired taste in which both parties get comfortable um, recognizing mm-hmm. the legitimacy of each other's concerns and also recognizing that just because the other person is expressing a concern, not a solution, hopefully, but a concern, that's, that's the thing we were talking about earlier. Um, mm-hmm. If we're talking about concerns, then they're both legitimate. I find that there are kids who are going to have difficulty listening to the adult's concerns, but I find a lot more kids who reject the adult's solution because that's what the adult is really voicing. The adult is not voicing okay. a concern. The adult is voicing a solution. Those tend to be rejected more easily by the kid, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that might be as far as we can take you today. Okay. So it sounds like we just need to keep practicing and reminding them that concerns are valid. The concerns are valid, um, but you need to make sure that what you're entering into consideration is each party's concerns, not each party's solutions. Okay. Otherwise, you're going to reject your son's concerns. Your sons are going to reject your concerns. Excuse me. You're going to reject your son's solutions. Your sons uh-huh. are going to reject your solutions. And you will be no further along than you were. So the crucial piece here is getting concerns on the table in the first two steps, not solutions. And by the way, um, I also think it's a little premature to be thinking about what you should do, drop the expectation, or just go back to plan A, because I'm not completely convinced that you're doing plan B yet. And when, you know, before there was a plan B, all you really had was two options, capitulate or impose your will. The beauty right. of plan B is that you now have a third option that should hopefully get rid of the other two, but we need to make sure that you're doing the third option right, otherwise you're going to be tempted to return to one of the other two. But let's see if Susie has anything to weigh in here on, too. We've, we've, I've been talking a lot here. Susie, what do you think? Um, hello. I... 
And sitting here on the other end of the phone, um, trying to decide if I tell you um, that I didn't come across that with my children um, because their father was very liberal in what he watched on television, but Mm -hmm. that each kid is different. And But what's great about the model is that it, it works regardless of whatever the child's challenges are. And, you know, that the model takes time, but it's a lot less time than explosions and meltdowns. Um, it's a skill that you're both learning, and uh, to hang in there, um, of course, you're doing something with your kids together, not at him or for him. Um, and And... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I just was curious if you ever had an experience where your child believed they were meeting the expectation, but from your perspective they weren't. So we're talking, you know, with my younger one, he doesn't see that he's being disrespectful to his teachers, but they perceive he's being disrespectful. How how did you deal with those differences of perception? I tried to be very specific um, in exactly what he was uh, can you give me an example when you say that he's disrespectful to his teachers can you sure yeah we had an incident Friday where his teacher emailed us and she had corrected him he was running in the classroom and she corrected him and said you need to walk and not run and he retorted that he wasn't running, he was just walking fast. And she <clears throat> perceived that as being argumentative. From his perspective, he was, you know, I was just telling her she was wrong, that I wasn't running, but she perceived that as talking back or being argumentative. And I wasn't, I'm feeling stuck on how to help him see that even though he may not have meant to be disrespectful, um, that's how it's perceived when you argue with a teacher. Right. Um, and and according to your son, he was just walking fast. Well, no, he was, I think he's saying he wasn't running his fastest. <laughs> <laughs> he, I think he fully knows he was in the wrong, but he didn't want to acknowledge it or... You know, he was basically saying, well, I, re- I wasn't running fast. I was just, you know, but he, wa- he wasn't walking. Right. But the issue was with me was he argued with the teacher over whether he was running fast enough to be corrected or not. Right, right. And, you know, I volunteer at a school, and, of course, the teacher's concerns are, you know, they have 26 or so kids, and they're right. concerned about safety and and they, um, I know that's a very frequent um, issue that comes up. Um, Her primary concern was about the arguing more than whether he was walking or not. And I'm trying to help him see that that was perceived as disrespectful, but he's refusing to acknowledge that his verbal response to her was problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you want to remember that arguing is a behavior. Mm-hmm. Hitting's a behavior, screaming's a behavior, and that in this model we're not talking with kids about their behavior. 
We're mm-hmm. talking with them about the unmet expectation that set in motion their behavior. So here the running part is actually really relevant because I'm okay. operating on the assumption that he's not talking disrespectfully to his teacher all the time. He right. was talking to his teacher disrespectfully over the issue of him running okay. or whatever he was doing. So we're still faced okay. with the um, task of identifying the unsolved problem, and it might be, we'd, we'd have to get this from the teacher, difficulty walking in the hallway between XYZ classes, right? Okay. And now yeah. the conversation begins. So the question is not whether he was running this fast or that fast, just fast enough for just too fast. <laughs> right. The issue is not, so the issue is what expectation was he having difficulty meeting? Um, okay. And, you know, uh, there's also an interesting perception issue here. He didn't even perceive that he was being disrespectful. But the bottom line is they need to solve this problem. And if they solve it using plan B, then number one, um, he won't be uh, being disrespectful over that anymore because the problem is solved. Okay. And number two, the whole process of plan B lends itself to respectful interaction and problem solving. And so the whole issue of was he disrespectful or was he not, um, is, is, believe it or not, and I can understand how people would uh, blanch at this a little bit, is actually the least important part, right? Okay. What his disrespect, okay. you know, if he, was, if he was hitting in response to it, um, people would be, you know, we'd still be saying in this model, well, that's because we still have a problem that isn't solved yet, right? If he was screaming, that's because there's still a problem that hasn't been solved yet. Um, let's solve the problem, and the behavior will okay. subside in response to that problem. But once again, we've got to get a good unsolved problem in place to make sure that that happens. Um, then we can hear the concerns of both parties. And, but we're not going to be talking about respect. We're going to be talking about how he should be comporting himself in the hallway. Okay. If, they, if we get him in enough plan Bs, he's going to start interacting with his teacher in a much more respectful fashion because the dialogue is there, the communication is there, the relationship is there. Um, we need an unsolved problem to get the ball rolling. Okay. That's, Make that's sense? Yeah. There you go. We're going to say goodbye to you because we have another caller okay. that we want to get to. Um, I was going Thank to say, as we always do, call in any time. But at this point, we're off the air till September, but you should feel free to call in then. I will. Thank you very much. Thanks for calling. Susie, we have another caller. Are you ready? Terrific. Yep. I think this is a repeat caller, too, but I could be wrong. Area code 562. You are about to be on the air, but the technology is doing its thing again. And I'm having trouble bringing area code 562 up. You're on. Area code 562, how are you today? Hi, I'm good. I am a return caller. Um, Good. Welcome back. Thank you. Uh, I um, have a six-year-old son with uh, ADHD. Um, I've talked to you guys a couple of times about how I was having difficulty doing Plan B because my son is extremely easily distracted, and he um, has an attention span of just about 10 seconds at a time. So it's been very difficult to 
get anywhere as far as getting any information out of him. He also has a very um, extremely short-term memory. He can remember things from a long time ago, but he uh, I've noticed that he mixes up days and events very easily, and um, it can be hard for me to get details out of him uh, about things. So um, I've decided that uh, we're going to give it a try with medication, but we haven't started it yet. We still um, have our appointment with the doctor and are going to uh, decide what, what medication and so forth. But um, what I'm calling in about today is, um, you know, I know you always say even with medication, the the problems will still be there. I'm just hoping that I'll have his attention for a little bit longer so that we can figure out what it is that really um, is bothering him so much. Um, what I'm calling in about today, I, it's um, two things. Maybe we'll only have time to talk about one, but um, we have a we live with roommates, and um, one of my roommates has a child who's the same age as my son, and um, my son really wants to play with this other child, and uh, the other child finds my son to be very annoying, and uh, he, um, my son has a really difficult time not following him and continuing to try to play with him, um, and the other child um, gets extremely annoyed with my son and is, um, is sometimes mean to him, um, and I, it bothers me a great deal. Um, and I, my, I, I guess I'm putting my solution on the table too soon because my solution is obviously just don't play with him, just ignore him. And um, I've tried to talk to my son about it a lot and ask him why it is that he wants to play with him so bad when he's expressing to him that he doesn't want to. He's even called my son dumb. And, um, you know, I just I have such a difficult time understanding why he still wants to be friends with this boy and why you know, why he would want to subject himself to that. But um, we're just not getting anywhere. Um, I mean, of course, the attention span has something to do with it, but what my son usually does when I bring it up is just he keeps repeating, he's my best friend. And my son does have other friends, um, but and, and usually he's pretty quick to, um, that's actually been a problem at school, he's pretty quick to, if he, he perceives that somebody's being mean to him when they're not or or when they are, he, he's quick to kind of react. But with this boy, he just kind of just is persistent and puts up with anything from him. So I, it's really confusing to me. I'm not really sure how to even begin to try to, to solve it. I, I don't want him to continue to to follow this boy around and it's creating some tension as well with my roommates because they feel like my son needs to leave the other boy alone um, and it creates a pretty tense situation in the house sometimes as well so um, I, I don't know the, it seems like it's very difficult to kind of stop him as well it's almost like the only way to keep him away from this boy when he's there is to leave the house um, I mean I obviously can't lock him up uh, so the <clears throat> Sometimes we're forced to leave the house when we don't necessarily want to because I just don't want to bother the rest of the people that live there. So I was just hoping that you guys maybe had some suggestions for me. Sounds like a um, tough, unsolved problem and one that's going to be challenging to solve. But now you've got my uh, juices going in terms of what this is going to involve. I always like a tough, unsolved problem. Um <laughs> 
it does sound to me like there is some more fleshing out to be done of your son's concerns in the empathy step. Um, he's my mm-hmm. best friend, and I, maybe it's been more involved in this, but he's my best mm-hmm. friend would not um, be um, a sufficient fleshing out of his concerns. Um, mm-hmm. He's my best friend, and I really want to play with him. He's my best friend, and I don't have anything else to do. Um, he's my best friend, and when I'm sitting around doing nothing, I default into him. So it feels to me like there is some fleshing out to be done uh, on your son's concerns. Um, and, you know, um, if, if you say to him, why do you want to play with him when he is so mean to you, that's actually a conflating of the two steps. We really want to, of the first two steps, we really want to get your son's concerns on the table in the empathy step. Um, what's so fun about playing with this kid? Um, and if your son keeps repeating the same thing over and over again, he's, he's my best friend. Um, I would go with the uh, five-finger method and see if you can throw some other things out at him, some of your theories, um, and see if you can flesh out his concerns further by having him rate some of the things that you're saying and get a better sense, get, get, get something beyond he's my best friend, because he's my best friend. I guess it could be the beginning of a concern, but I'm not exactly sure how that concern would be addressed. You're putting your concern on the table in the, invi- in the uh, define adult concern step, right? And that is mm-hmm. that it is, uh, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that when he wants to play with this kid all the time, the other kid finds it to be annoying, and another one of your concerns is that when the other kid is annoyed, sometimes he says things that are mean to your son, and you don't want mean things being said to your son. So just make sure that you are separating the first two steps and making sure that you're treating them separately so that you can do an invitation that sets things up so that your goal is to address the concerns of both parties. The reason I think this is a little complex is because you are in a close living quarters, And a solution, it sounds like, is going to require some coordinating, not just between you and your son, but also between the other kid and potentially his caregiver, um, because I'm not hearing that the other kid never wants to play with your son. I'm hearing, maybe I'm wrong about this, that the other kid's okay playing with him sometimes, just not as often as your son wants to play with him. So this may require some coordinating of schedules, especially if part of the solution is there's going to be times when you are not in the same place at the same time. There's going to be times when your son is doing things that are different, even when the other kid is there. But I'm trying to figure how this problem is going to get solved without coordinating it with um, the other kid and his caregiver, and I'm having trouble imagining how that coordination isn't going to be required as it relates to getting this problem solved. All that makes sense? Yeah. Um, if I could just add, um, the problem is, too, and I kind of, I guess this may not be really valid, but one of my concerns is what's happened now at this point is that even though this boy sometimes wants to play with my son, I 
am now so upset about the way he treats him that I feel like I never want him to play with him. And that's, of course, my concern, but my son is so quick to jump at the chance of playing with this boy, and I feel like you shouldn't even want to. He's so mean, and and any time another, sometimes this boy, um, we have mutual friends that come over that have uh, kids, and then this boy and uh, another uh, child of one of my friends will exclude my son, and uh you know, I, I just feel like I wish I could somehow convince my son that this boy is not someone you want to be friends with at all, and it's better if we just kind of do our separate things. Um, and just to add the coordination with the other adults, it's kind of a tense topic because I, I get the impression that they probably feel that because my son is very intense that he is the problem and that it's completely understandable that the other boy feels that he is annoying. Um, so that's just the the impression that I'm getting from them. And I, I think it seems like the solution that has been worked out on that end is that they've told this other boy that, you know, if you don't feel like playing, just shut yourself in the room and tell him to leave you alone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, what's Which, happening I mean, here is we've got, yeah. we've got the classic both um, – sets of concerns are at the moment not really being addressed collaboratively, but rather unilaterally. They're telling their son what to do. You're hoping your son will decide just never to play with this kid ever again. Um, But the uh, concerns of both parties, I'm not sure the concerns have been shared, although uh, we have a decent sense about where things are at now in terms, and this is this is sort of classic in terms of what human beings sometimes do um, when they're not communicating. Um, they they come up with unilateral solutions that, quite frankly, often make things worse. Um, yeah. I don't know if your son's going to agree never to play with this kid. Um, the question is, uh, is there any potential for there to be a solution here? And this is why this is a little complex, because you're not the only one with concerns besides your son. The other kid has concerns, and the other caregiver has concerns. And what we're trying to do here is address the concerns of four parties, not just two. And that makes it a little, doesn't make it impossibly unwieldy, but it makes it uh, more top-heavy than just trying to address the concerns of two parties. But what seems to be happening is the other party has decided to get their concerns addressed unilaterally. You're trying to get yours addressed unilaterally. Now, it's starting to be bad blood. We've got the perfect recipe for bad blood because the solutions each party is coming up with is not going to address the concerns of the other. The big question is can we uh, pull back on the reins a little bit here on sort of what we might call double-barreled plan A, and see if we can open up the lines of communication so that there's the potential for a solution that works for everybody. doesn't sound like you are beyond that yet, but the more unilateral people are and the less communication there is, the more impossible it's going to become over time because the more bad blood there's going to be. Know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 The big question, can can we still be collaborative about this? I do not know the answer. 
but it's probably yeah. worth trying. There's nothing to be lost, I don't think. No, that's true. It's a tough one. Yeah. You'll have to let us <laughs> know is. how this turns out in the fall when we're back on the air. I wish we were on the air next week so we could find out, but please don't hesitate to call in in September and let us know how it went. Sound like a deal? Okay. Yep, All right. absolutely. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Well, Susie, we have only 50 seconds left before we are done for the summer. Any last words before this is it? Um, I just wanted to say that summer's a great time to reconnect with your kids and to um, try the collaborative and proactive solutions model out um, to make an appointment with your child and don't stop using the model just because it's summer. Um, also, you might want to try to be proactive with your school and make an appointment now um, with the guidance counselor, school psychologist, and teacher as far as uh, lining up what's best for your child for next year. I think that's great advice for the summer. And, um, you know, um, Liz Rudman, who handles all the communications for Lives in the Balance these days, was telling me this morning just how much positive feedback she gets on this program. Um, we are delighted that people are finding it to be useful. Isn't and, that great? Um, it is great. Yep. And we will be back in September. Susie, thanks for doing this again. My pleasure. Take care. Take care. Have a good summer. You too. Bye-bye.